A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Yo, 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 what's happening, Rush Nation? We're back. What is popping? It's Thursday. It's 7.12. We're getting closer to that 7 o'clock start time, big man. How are you doing? Another week's in the books. There's some news and we're going to hit some OC changes. You good? <laughs> and now he's choking. That yeah. is comic gold, Rush Nation. Yeah, you nailed the timing there. Um, yeah, I'm good. I'm fighting a little bit of a cold, but other than that, I'm okay. Um, another week, as you say, in the books. Another week closer to football. And tonight, Hard Knocks is back, and who can really wait to see Aaron Rodgers be an absolute... um... (laughs) Steady. Uh... Steady. This is PC, safe for work content. An an absolute person on television. Uh, I can't wait. Um, I can wait. I'm not watching it tonight. I'll watch it tomorrow or when I get a chance. I'll be honest. I actually think Hard Knocks is crap. I, I, I have thought this for many, many years. I think Hard Knocks has got worse every year. Um, I actually don't think I've watched the last couple. The last one I watched was the joint LA one during COVID. That was a long time ago. That was beyond awful. I mean, that that was so bad. Like, it made me almost not want to watch NFL football. That's how (laughs) bad it was. I literally was watching this. I don't even know what, what I'm watching. It's just a pile of scripted crap. It's just it's it's stuff no one cares about. Like, 
It's just rubbish. You don't learn anything watching Hard Knocks. You don't see the insights and think, oh, you mean there is no insights. You don't even get any gleam. The only things that people like Hard Knocks for is the last episode with all the cuttings. Well, that's gone this year. <laughs> and they like they like the battles and the little pearls of wisdom, but that's all heavily edited now. So it's like, eh. if you do, you know what? Save yourself some time. If and like, I've definitely not sold hard knocks. Um, <laughs> I watched, I watched, I watched. If you've got Netflix, watch the Johnny Mansell documentary called Untold Johnny Football. That is that is worth an hour and twelve minutes of your time. Let me tell you, that was brilliant. Genuinely, well, an, a phenomenal, phenomenal documentary about. Johnny Mansell. Like, I actually forgot how good a player Johnny Mansell was. Like in college, I for genuinely, from all the stuff that's happened, I genuinely forgot. I knew he won the Heinzman, but I genuinely forgot how good he was until you actually watch and you're like, this kid was absolutely elite as a freshman. He was so much better than everybody else. It was ridiculous. And like you can understand why he went in the first round despite all the issues. Yeah. Um, but yeah, watch that. That's a good use of your time. But yeah, there we go. We've digressed. But yeah, uh, <laughs> other than that, all good. You, you say digressed. It is back. It's it's Jets fans who are going to be, I guess, the majority of people watching their new QB, Mr. Aaron Rodgers, coming into the building and hopefully being the final piece to that puzzle, possibly. I hope they've, I hope they've got some WD-40 for his arm because they're going to need it. <laughs> right. Listen. Let, let's. Enough. 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 Something that dub doesn't need WD-40 unless you use it an awful lot is the Lawnmower 4.0 from Manscaped. See that now? Segue. Yeah. Boom thing. <laughs> so as we can tell if you're watching, we do have a banner now. We are sponsored by Manscaped and the Lawnmower 4.0. If you are watching, which I suggest you do, head over to YouTube, the like, bell, subscribe button, and you know when we're going live because you can see Murph and I are both bearded warriors both looking fresh and sharp, although I have a hat on, so whether my hair is or not, I'll leave that to your imaginations. And guess what? The Lawnmower 4.0 is an all-over body groomer, which means if you want to wear a vest and look good a la me, another reason to come to the video show, get yourself a 4.0, the Lawnmower, trim yourself up, keep yourself looking fresh. And now the guys at Manscaped have bought out a beard trimmer and something called the Handyman, which I think is a foil-based razor, which looks incredible, be good for the cheeks. So it's not only now just for your chest and nether regions it is an all over body experience at manscaped and this week murph we've got a code the code is five yard at checkout get you 20 percent off and free shipping is that just on the lawnmower do we know or is it over the entire range whole site well there you go Completely get yourself a lawnmower that you can just get the full experience the beard trimmer the lawnmower the handyman the creams the body scrubber manscaped have upped their game Head over there, use the code 5YARD at checkout for 20% off and free shipping. Right, something that works elitely from the lawnmower over to something which apparently always seems to be broken, Murph. Marlon Mack signed with the Cardinals and is now out for the season. Yeah, I mean, before he even had time for the ink to dry on his contract, he somehow managed to get a season-long injury. Um, I don't know if his contract contained any guarantees because they haven't published it because it literally has not been that long. <laughs> <laughs> um, shouldn't really make light of it, but yeah, it, it's a shame, you know, a player with such talent who just, uh, unfortunately, yeah, gets gets injuries, and I I can't help but feel this is the end of his NFL career. Really, he might come yeah. back from this, but 
I don't know. It's hard. This was a good opportunity with the amount of injuries that James Connor has. You'd, you'd like to thought that he would have been probably the backup, although uh, Ingram might have had something to say to that. Um, so I think, yeah, it's a real shame, especially so soon after signing. I don't know the full details as to how we got the injury, but do you think uh, he did it walking into the facility, like tripped over something and was like, oh, oh no, I'm out. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I am, I unfortunately in a in a NFL chat group uh, earlier today made a football related injury joke about Callum Wilson, about how he'll never sign for Arsenal because he'll get injured in the car on the way to the to the medical. So um, could be something like that that could have happened. I don't know. Maybe uh, who who knows? Like uh, I, I just think unfortunately certain players just seem to get injured with any form of contact. Unfortunately, the wrong way. Um, it's just unfortunate. It's really unfortunate yeah. for him. It's unfortunate for the Cardinals. They have to go back to be to RB shopping. Do they do they go after Kareem Hunt since no one else seems to want him? I don't know. Yeah, it's gonna weird. Give me interesting time. Yeah. Um. Did you you know on Sleeper then you get the notifications and then you go into the. It's not a player. I can't. I don't know what it's called, but it takes you to basically the group chat where everyone's spamming messages. Yeah, and then if you go into that, then, yeah. everything is just what about Marlon Mack, regardless of content. Mm-hmm. And then when it happened, Sleeper sent out a link where you could send your regards to Marlon Mack because oh, of really? how influential he is on their on their messages and stuff. It's just I thought that was quite a nice touch considering he is probably done in the NFL. You mentioned Kareem Hunt, Murph. He's been to Indianapolis and New Orleans, apparently fit and healthy, and he's yet walked out of both facilities without a deal. Yeah, I wonder if it's money. I wonder, I, I think, you know, you're not inviting players into the facility without at least considering giving them a deal. So it, the, for me, I, he's either asking for too much money or he's asking for something that he can't have, which is a starting position because he's not going to get one. I think he signs with New Orleans. I think with this Alvin Kamara suspension, you know, you have to look at Kareem Hunt. He's someone who has had a checker pass in the NFL got cut from the Chiefs after a very unsavory incident. He signed for the Browns. It was reasonably good for the Browns, but cost too much this year. So he was purely a cap casualty. Um, so you have to look at him again. He's another one that's kind of in this last chance saloon. We're in, we're in August and he hasn't signed for a team. Now, there's a couple of reasons for that. One is either the, the NFL is down on him as a player, which I think there's probably a lot of franchises that aren't interested at all. Uh, and therefore, he has a reduced market. But there's clearly some teams interested in him. He's getting visits. So if he's talking himself out of a deal due to price, due to money, then he's an idiot. Because unfortunately, especially with New Orleans, with with the Colts, I kind of get it. Because if Jonathan Taylor plays, he's, he's not really getting much of a look in. Yeah. So I can understand this whole going in there, trying to get as much money as you can to not really play. But in New Orleans, he's going to play. I mean, I know they've got Jamal Williams and I know they've got the young rookie there. But I still think I still think Kareem Hunt probably does a job there for at least the first three games. And if he does well in the first three games, he's going to continue to get the ball. Alvin Kamara is used in a very different way to Jonathan Taylor. They'll use him more in a wide receiver. They'll need a downhill runner. It's why they signed Jamal Williams. They didn't sign Jamal Williams because Alvin Kamara was getting a suspension. They've always had a number two back that's a downhill runner. They've had Mark Ingram yep. twice before. You know, there is a role there for for him to potentially do something. 
maybe it's holding out for a specific team. I don't really know. I just think if you've got teams interested in you and it's August 10th and we're in pre-season now, I would, I would be thinking if I want to get another paycheck in the NFL after this one, I'd probably lower my salary demands and go to the team where I'm going to get some snaps, which is New Orleans. I get... I can understand him not going to the Colts. I can understand that. I mean, the only reason you're going to the Colts is you think Jonathan Taylor's not playing. In that case, then you've got a whole job. You've got a whole job to win. And that's different. And maybe he's holding out for that. I don't know. It'll be interesting. But I, I think he signs. I think he signs somewhere. I My gut would tell me probably New Orleans. But it's interesting. The free agency market on running backs. Talked about a couple of weeks ago where they had their, their, uh, their Zoom meeting and, and no one's happy with the amount of money they're getting. But... This guy's sitting there unemployed. Davin Cook's still unemployed. Izzy Elliott's still unemployed. Leonard um, yeah, Fournette's still unemployed. Kareem Hunt's still unemployed. I mean, these guys need to think about get just taking the job. You know, I, I look at teams out there. I think Fournette probably ends up at Dallas would be my weird gut reckoning. Um, I think that Davin Cook ends up probably at the Jets. Um, if there's oh, that is Brees... horrendous. Well, if Brees oh. Hall's going to miss time, um, Aaron Rodgers isn't sitting there to play on a, a six and six and nine team, or uh, is that right, maths? No, six and eleven. I mean, they'll probably win more than six <laughs> games. Maybe like seven and seven and nine, or yeah, or seven yeah. and ten. I don't. Know. Yeah, my maths is terrible today. Um, I don't know. I think at the end of the day, I, th- I think that he'll sign for the Jets. I think Kareem Hunt ends up in New Orleans. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens. But they need to start getting this market. Ezekiel is the one. I don't think he gets a job. Yeah, I think weird. the NFL like, is he's... so far down on him. I just don't see. He's not getting visits, really. He's not really. There's no real talk about Ezekiel right now. And for a player who doesn't miss a lot of time, he's not really been one for injuries, Ezekiel. Um, he t- he's played almost every game he's suited up for in terms of um, in his career. I think he's missed one or two games. Of it. He obviously missed six games for his suspension, which was questionable whether he should have got six games at all. Uh, yep. He's not missed a lot of time. He's been a relatively healthy bloke uh, for a running back in particular. So I am a little surprised that nobody is thinking, you know, we'll take a punt on him, but... I imagine when someone loses their lead running back, Ezekiel, it might be the first phone call and people's opinion might change. Because he might be the only one out there still. Yeah. So moving on from running backs who haven't got jobs to college football, which apparently doesn't have a job on UK TV anymore because (laughs) it's after the end of ESPN player and TNT Sports, formerly BT Sports. It's just, there's no college game day anymore. There's no coverage. There's one, maybe two games a week if we're lucky on Sky because of Notre Dame's deal with Sky, it's just college football was, this whole zone thing with the NFL and now college football coming off of ESPN it's just, the football experience for viewing in the UK has taken a nosedive Yeah, I mean I'll start off and I'm no fan of zone. I cancelled my subscription um, I didn't like their customer service um, when I was speaking to them they cut me off, even though I'd actually paid for the service until August and they cut me off completely um so I'm in the process of a dispute with them about that. Um, but in terms of what is available on the zone, that's not their fault. Their quality of service, their billables, that's all them. But in terms of what 
people are, are sitting there saying that it's DAZN's fault that there's, you know, not the game in 40 or there's not um, certain features or coaches film or whatever there was. They've taken away. That's the NFL's choice. The NFL has, has made that choice. They're the ones that set and do the, the broadcasts. It's not DAZN. DAZN is effectively a, a, a partner who plays and distributes the content. They don't create the content. They don't mm-hmm. create the edits. So what's available for them to dispute uh, to um, dis- distribute is not their decision. So, um, and it seems like it's an ESPN thing. So ESPN have not just cancelled the ESPN player, but they've cancelled that agreement with BT Sport. So because ESPN had college game day, they had um, the games, the SEC games, they had all these other games that, that were available every week. Um, you had a choice of three games that you could watch every week on uh, on BT Sport last year, plus your college game day. So ESPN have obviously decided to pull uh, the ranks out in the UK, which I think is an absolute shame. Um, I don't understand it. If it was a money thing, then I get getting rid of the broadcaster, but keeping the player, like I don't understand how the player costs them any more money because they have it in the US. Yeah. So I don't, I don't understand... I understand that like, if they pulled it from the broadcaster because it cost them, it cost them money instead of making money. Then I that I can, I can get on board with and say, okay, it's not on BT Sport because they, they couldn't come to an arrangement on the on the money. Fine, I can, I, you know, fine. Business is business, but the ESPN Player app, I don't understand. That's not costing them a ton of money to keep maintained. No. Surely they have one in the US. Yes, it's a regional thing, and yes, they probably have to pay some form of regional rights. But you can't tell me they're not making that back. Um, and if they're not, then the question is sort of the loyalship of, of football in, in this country. Like, I, I loved ESPN player and I loved watching college football on demand. Um, game's exciting. It's going to be a real blow to not have not have games to watch and also not be able to really watch prospects coming through. Yeah. Uh, you know, unless we, you know, darling the tapes on YouTube. Like, it's and they, YouTube do have some offerings. I think their Pac 12 is on there. Uh, is on YouTube. So I think you can watch Pac-12 games on YouTube legally. And there's, I'm sure, some illegal sources you can uh, watch games and procure from. And I think, to be honest, with the way that DAZN have have handled the NFL, I think you'll find a lot of people will consume college football and NFL content illegally this year because Mm -hmm. they don't want to deal with DAZN and and they want to have that choice of viewing. And that's such a shame because a lot of people that wouldn't make that decision, they they would happily pay for the content. Yeah. If it was going to provide, they trusted and had the content they wanted. So I don't know. I think it's, uh, I think it's a shame. I, I, I do think that there's going to be a. The thing is, do they care about the backlash? I think that's the and how how noisy is the backlash going to be? Like, I people at the zone don't care. They made yeah. that abundantly clear they don't care. But it's, do the NFL care enough to want to try and fix this and and do college football? And it's weird because it's come at a time when they're sending teams to Ireland every year. Yeah. They're sending teams to Ireland every year, and now they're cutting all the all the all the viewer access that that was available. I, I don't know. I, I think it's a shame, but yeah, it is. It feels like to me the whole DAZN situation was just. I don't know how that came about with Game Pass ending up over there, whether it was a bidding war thing sort of where they just bid the most to host the Game Pass thing and then the NFL decided what they could and couldn't show. I think, almost... I, think it's a, I think it's a game, but I think Game Pass won it out. Um, I think the cost to run mixed in with the issues they were having 
um, mixed in with probably you got to remember that. Um, I, I mean, I don't know if the zone have a, a European data center, but the NFL have struggled with that. And maybe it could be something as simple as a data privacy thing, which they've messed up royally, by the way, with this. <laughs> but that's, that's a different story. Uh, I'm not going to get into into data privacy breaches by the NFL or the zone here, but um, there are some severe ones that someone, if they want to, can take them to court. Um, but I'll leave it up for another day. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a shame. Uh, I hope that I, the, the proof being the pudding, if the zone's numbers take a tank yeah. um, and the NFL see that, um, in fact, do, do NFL even care? Because they're getting paid by the zone now instead of directly. So do they even care? Probably not. If they're, people they're think probably they're making more. Yeah, they're probably even making more or close to the same, and and they're not taking the risk of the subscriber numbers. So, yeah, real shame. Loved, I, you know, one of the things I always talked about people for years was with the NFL Game Pass app was it was the ability for you to choose what you wanted to watch. Yes, the blackout was annoying, but whatever. It was one game a week or two games. Yeah, it was two games a week um, for twenty four hours. It was annoying, but you know, you lived with it. Um, yeah. But I love the fact. I always thought that the UK, uh, that the Premier League should copy what Game Pass do. But I guess that's not an option anymore. Yeah, we. Um... Oh, I completely forgot what I was going to say. Then, oh, uh, Mr. Bezos, I know you are listening right now because you are a huge Five Yard fan. This is an opportunity for you to put your hand in your well, I would say deep pockets, but even that chasm doesn't exist in the size of your wealth, and just <laughs> buy the uh, Game Pass thing from NFL and buy a college football rights from ESPN and do one huge thing on Amazon and make even more money. Just so it's like a no-brainer. Well, I think Amazon produce amazing content and um, even their rights to the Premier League. I think their Premier League coverage is better than, than Sky's. Um, I think they produce the best Premier League coverage around. It's a shame they only have as few games as they do. So I'd, lo- I'd love Amazon to buy it because they put um, not just money and resource into it, but they make an excellent product. You've seen that from all the documentaries and all the sports programs that they've made. So I would love Amazon. That would solve all the world's problems for me. Well, there you are, Mr. Bezos. You know we're both on board. Just pointing out, Rush Nation, this segment is not sponsored by Amazon. However, if you would like to sponsor us, Amazon, we are open to that. And other streaming services are available. (laughs) Right, Murph, let's talk some OC changes. It's taken us, how long are we in? 20 minutes an hour. It's taken us nearly three hours to get to this point, which should have been about 40 minutes. However, it is the off-season. Let's go for it. Let's talk some OC changes. Start in Dallas, changing from Kellen Moore to Brian Schottenheimer. It's internal it was an OC at the Jets, Rams and Seahawks and so knows how to run an offense. Talk us through this one. Yeah, I, I guess just before I get into that, I want to talk about why offensive coordinator changes are really important. It's actually a massively underlooked piece of fantasy football uh, advice here. Um, we just always assume in continuity, right? We assume that and we base on purely the value of the players. So you look at offenses and you think like the Chargers last year, the offense was really, really the offense is stacked. It's got everything you'd imagine. It's got Austin Eckler and um, Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. And it's got all these pieces and you and uh, Gerald Everett. And you think, oh, that offense is going to be absolutely amazing. It's completely loaded. And it wasn't. It was okay. Like, it, it wasn't terrible by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but it also certainly wasn't uh, lights out. And it certainly was nowhere near as good as it was uh, the year before. Um, and so part of that was an offensive coordinator change. Um, Joe Lombardi did very well in his first year and then didn't do so well in his second year. Um, and then, you know, we look at other changes that unfortunately offenses have completely stagnated and needed to change. We saw a lot of rookie OCs last year. We're going to see even more rookie OCs 
this year. Um, and the rookie OCs last year were definitely a mixed bag. Uh, you look at Liam Cohen at the Rams was uh, borderline terrible. Not entirely his fault in terms of the fact that Matt Stafford goes down, but that offense was uh, pretty putrid. And then you had offensive coordinators that weren't even offensive-minded uh, in Matt Patricia <laughs> at New England, who's a defensive-minded coach. So, um, yeah, so there's been a lot of change this offseason uh, at, at OC. Um, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Half the teams changed to offensive coordinator this offseason. Which is a lot. I didn't expect it to be that many when I was researching this, but yeah, that, there, there is. That makes it pretty difficult to try and uh, gain some. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it makes it a little bit harder. But luckily, some of these guys have uh, coached before, so we have an idea what we're getting. Um, or, or they've all coached before, but some are coached in the NFL, some are coached at college, and we can glean some insights from there. And 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 what we can do is we can look at. Um, some metrics from last season and see does this change move the needle did it need to happen or if there was an offensive change that happened due to a hiring um, or a change like Eric Bienemy, for example and that Kansas City offense and we'll get to that one in a minute um, is that in line for potential regression given how well it produced again we'll get to that so the point is for <laughs> fantasy football there is there is something to be gleaned everything is about an edge not a lot of people talk about the offensive coordinated changes I think a lot of this is important. I think some of this is a wash, but I think it's things just to be aware of and it's information for you to, to take with it as well. So you mentioned Dallas, Kellen Moore, who I think had, had done an exceptional job um, as offensive coordinator. He has moved. We'll hear about where he's moved to later on. And Brian Schottenheimer has come in. Now, Brian Schottenheimer, um, as you mentioned, was an OC at the Jets. He was at the Rams. He was the Seahawks. He was actually a consultant for um, the the Cowboys last year. So he was actually, he was an internal appointment, but Technically, he was a consultant. He also worked with Mike McCarthy in the past. Um, for me, my, you know, Brian Schottenheimer, his last offensive coordinator job was at the Seahawks. He got fired for not running the ball enough. Um, and he has this tag of being a OC who runs the ball too much. He's a very, very heavy. And I've seen this, this trope all over. It's like Dallas is going to run the ball more in, in 2023. I don't buy that at all. I really don't. It is an absolute myth. He got fired from the Seahawks for not running the ball enough, which would seem weird for a guy who has got this reputation of running the ball too much. He gets that <laughs> reputation because of his dad, Marty Schottenheimer, who heavily believed in running the ball. And they just, uh, it's a lazy trope of, well, the, the son must be like the father. It's absolute nonsense. He runs a very balanced offense. So he's not run heavy. He's not pass heavy. It's very balanced. Also, he's not calling the plays. He is not going to call the plays in Dallas. Mike McCarthy is. This is a Mike McCarthy offense. We're going to see what we saw when he won the Super Bowl in Green Bay. You're going to see more of an air attack. You're going to see less on the ground uh, in previous years, which is a bit of a shame because they were very efficient running the ball uh, on the ground. The one thing I will say, and the one cause of concern here with this change, it is a Mike McCarthy offense. Brian Schottenheimer is going to be the official name, but he's not going to call the plays. He's going to do the the game planning, the scheming, the designs, but Mike McCarthy is going to call the plays. This team was incredibly efficient in the red zone. I'm just looking. I've just got it here, and I'm going to keep looking down because I've got it on, on uh, a smaller screen here. But in terms of uh, red zone early down efficiency, passing, they were second in the NFL rush uh, efficiency and earn points average. They were first and third down um, 
earned points average, plays in field goal range, they were third. Third down conversion, they were fifth. Running pace of plays, which is just how many plays you get off, they were third in the league. I see regression in all those categories with Mike McCarthy and Brian Schottenheimer at the helm. I think they're going to run a more balanced offense, which I think you can also tell because they haven't bought in much at running back. They've let Zeke Elliott go and they drafted they drafted a rookie uh, very late on, uh, who's five foot six, I believe. Um, I, don't think, I think he's shorter than that, Deuce Fawn. Yeah, Deuce Fawn. He's like five six, five five. He's He's not very big. I mean, listen, he's doing all right in camp. Um, I do think they do bring someone in. I've mentioned Leonard Fournette. I think that that probably does happen. Um, Tony Pollard's never carried a full workload. Um, I don't think he's the workhorse that people are going to expect him to be. Um, but I think he's highly efficient. I, I do think they're going to take some red zone efficiency. But I think, you know, for me, I think I see an arrow up for someone like CeeDee Lamb. It's going to be interesting what they do with that second wide receiver. Is it going to be Brandon Cooks? Is it going to be Gallup? One of those guys is really going to eat this year. You'd back Gallup as the incumbent, but he has had injuries. Brandon Cooks has the experience. I'd expect one of those guys to really supersede and I expect them to use the tight ends a bit more like, like they did when McCarthy was taking charge. So um, whether it's Jake Ferguson or whether it's Luke Schoonermaker, one of those guys is going to do quite well as well. So I, I see more, more, more value in the wide receivers. Uh, and maybe I see Dak, maybe a slight arrow up this year. Um, I see Tony Pollard an arrow up just basically because he's going to get the ball more, not necessarily because I think he's going to, that offense is going to do a lot more, but they were overly efficient, especially running the ball in for touchdowns. Uh, both, um, both Elliot and Pollard both overachieved their touchdown totals by four plus last year, um, according to my touchdown regression metrics. Um, and that just shows you how efficient they were running the football in for touchdowns. I expect to see some uh, negative regression there. So that's why I think of that. So I, I do think that if you're thinking about this offense, buy into CD lamb, you can buy in sneakily into Dak Prescott, but don't get too crazy. Um, and you can buy into Pollard, but just be weary if they add another back. It's it's going to be more the same of what he did last year with a slight uptick as opposed to this heavy. I, I think he's overpriced where he is at ADP right now. I think he's a risk. Fair enough. For those not watching on the video, as Murph was looking down to pick up all those stats, I can tell you, Murph, you have a very healthy head of hair up there. No lot going on whatsoever. Don't know the last time you had a vertical head check, but there it is, Rush Nation. You got it as well. Let's move on then. Washington from Scott Turner to Super Bowl winning Eric Bieniemy. This has to be a better move, right? Oh yeah. I mean, listen. Um, this offense has not been has not been good for a couple of years. It, it's kind of been okay, but if we look at their efficiency metrics uh, last year, they pretty much the only metric they ranked in the top half of the league for was. Um, uh, passing earn point averages uh, in early down coverage in quarters one through three, where they ranked 14th. Uh, every other category, uh, they were in the bottom half. And most of those categories, they were in the bottom three, um, including uh, early down pass rate success. They were last last year. Um, they were 26th in explosive plays, 25th in third down conversions, 24th in pace. So very, very slow offense. Um, all this is going to change under Eric Bieniemy. They will be more explosive. They will run more plays. They'll be better on fourth down. They'll be better on third down. Um, they will have better pass rate success. Um, I, I would expect to see some in, improvements pretty much across the, the, the board. They're really poor at running the ball in the um, in the red zone, um, which is actually the one area that Eric Bieniemy didn't do very well last year, ranked 25th, the Chiefs. 
uh, last year. In fact, they're below the commanders last year who were 24th. So, but on the whole, this, this should be a massive uptick here in terms of more creative play calling, certainly more vertical offense. I think you're going to see more explosive plays, as I mentioned. Um, I think you're going to see Terry McLaurin do very well in this offense. It's all about who the second guy is going to be. Is it going to be um, Jahar Dotson, um, who I think is in line for huge touchdown regression based on his current usage? Um, or is it going to be finally... Um, Don't you dare. <laughs> I don't think it would happen. I, I'd go with Jahar Dotson. I think he's a sneaky ad in this, in this offense, so I'm not even going to go there. I think he's the one I would, <laughs> I would take care of in this offense. But yeah, I think um, you've got to look at this. Scott Turner did a... a I don't want to say a poor job. He had very limited things to work with, uh, especially at quarterback. But um, they're very limited at quarterback this year. Um, Sam Howell is what we assume will be the starter. Um, although they do have um, Jacoby Brissett there, if, if that doesn't work out. Um, and I think Brissett will be fine in that offense. I don't think he hurts the passing game too much or the rushing game. I just don't think he he will be a huge uh, asset, but I think that these players will will do a lot better this year, and I think that offense will certainly be a lot better. Um, and then, depending on what they do at quarterback going forward, they'll be a lot better in twenty twenty four. So yeah, I see a huge uptake here. But I think more plays, um, more vertical plays. Terry McLaurin here, I think, is um, the real winner in 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 this as a player. I think gets a huge arrow up. Mm-hmm. And and Logan Thomas, that that forgotten tight end. Absolutely, I think he's a huge steal here. I think. Uh, we see what Eric Bieniemy's done in the past with tight ends. <laughs> oh, obviously Travis Kelsey helps, um, but but people forget that, that Logan Thomas two years ago, uh, sorry three years ago, um, three seasons ago, was uh, a top four tight end, um, and then he had two years of horrific injuries. Um, it's just not happened for him. So I, I do think that Logan Thomas is a very 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 good uh, late steal in drafts here. Um, I definitely want a piece, and if not, and um, they've got a backup tight end in Turner who you should definitely grab. Um, should something happen to Logan Thomas when he's not available to start the season? Because I do think they're going to use that more, especially with the lack of efficiency in the red zone. Um, I do think they'll need, and, and Eric Bieniemy, as soon as possible, want that big body target um, to convert and improve their uh, efficiency in the red zone. Yep. I mean, it could be Carson Wentz at quarterback, or no, wait, that's the, co- oh no, the Eagles. I, I don't remember. Carson Wentz doesn't even remember because there's pictures of him in an Eagles helmet, Colt shorts and a red uh, Washington Commanders jersey <laughs> throwing a ball at the moment. So Lord only knows. Okay, Philadelphia. Shane Steichen to Brian Johnson, an internal appointment. What does this do for the Super Bowl runners-up? Well, they were they were a heavily exciting and entertaining offense last year that ranked in the top 10 of every single category except for uh, red zone passing uh, and points average efficiency where they ranked 20 20- first not a surprise because whenever they got the ball down there um Jalen Hurts tend to run it in um <laughs> so listen Shane Steichen gets a head coaching job so you know he leaves because he's done an amazing job and their offense last year was was absolutely brilliant and I think um the, the good thing about having someone like Brian Johnson now Brian Johnson I remember very well he was an offensive coordinator at Florida not that long ago he um actually coached Carl Trask into his phenomenal season year uh senior year where he was a, a borderline Heisman Trophy candidate, um, and you saw what he did with with Kyle Trask and uh, and Kyle Pitts. Um, but he also <laughs> coached Jack Prescott uh, in college uh, as an offensive coordinator. So he's an excellent QB coach. He's a, he's a you know very very good. This is a great appointment for someone like um, Jalen Hurts. He's going to help develop and get the best out of Hurts even more. 
I think you're going to see a continuity. I would, I would expect a very small arrow down just because I think you've got a rookie OC. There's the pressures of being that offensive coordinator and calling plays. There's going to be things he's not seen before, but they're going to run the same offense, right? So the good thing about an internal appointment with someone who was handpicked by the predecessor has been in that system for a couple of years is he knows the playbook. There'll be some changes. Um, so you're not going to see too much difference, but you have to change things year on year. And I think you'll see some slight rookie errors, which are to be expected. Um, so I, I, I got them down as a slightly less efficient offense this year, but nothing, nothing you should really worry about. Um, they're going to run a very similar style offense. You're not going to see anything go too crazy. Hurts, Hurts is the big winner in this appointment more than anyone else. Um, I do think AJ Brown takes never so slight dip. I think he gets a touchdown regression, negative regression bump. And I think that they're going to be slightly less efficient uh, in the red zone and slightly less efficient on vertical plays uh, just from the nature of having a rookie OC. But I don't think it's, I don't want to scare anyone. I don't think they're going to be, you know, 50 times worse or anything like that. I just think they're <laughs> going to, I think they're going to be, there's going to be a small arrow down, uh, maybe 5%, something like that. Okay. Carolina, I've moved on from Ben McAdoo to Thomas Brown. It was rookie OC. He is a rookie OC, sorry, after being tight ends and running backs coach for the Rams. Just rookies all over the place in Carolina. Yeah, well, you say that. I mean, they got uh, Frank Reich, who I think was probably the best coaching appointment uh, there. And they did bring some uh, um, really experienced um, coaching staff in there. And I, I think with Thomas Brown, he's he's going to be a rookie OC, but he is going to be... Um, he's not going to be given the full range straight away. You know, Frank Reich is going to be part of this. Um, they've got other offensive-minded coaches on that staff. So I, I, I see this being sort of a, a consensus-run offense as opposed to Thomas Brown. And Thomas Brown might be the play caller. Um, but listen, Carolina were pretty poor last year. Ben McAdoo, uh, yeah, I don't have much to say about Ben McAdoo that's, that's positive, so I'll move on. Um, but I think what you'll see here, there's more talent there. They've got their franchise QB. Um, so I think you're going to see mistakes, but I think you're going to see the big thing. I think the, with this appointment, I think Mar Sanders is going to carry a lot, um, especially early on. I think they're going to let uh, Bryce Young settle. Um, you've got Adam Phelan in there for experience. Um, so I think they're going to be, they're going to be in a good spot, Caroline. I mean, you look at their offense last year, um, not terrible in sort of field goal range and uh, and rushing in, in the red zone. Um, and fourth down conversion was surprisingly pretty good. Uh, they ran the ball well a lot. That was down to Christian McCaffrey uh, before he got traded. Um, but actually, you know, they were very slow offense, 23rd in uh, pace, um, 23rd in early down success rate. Um in early early down first half pass rate success rate they were 30th um in passing earn points average in the first three quarters they were 29th um in passing earn points uh, average in the red zone they were 31st and a lot of that points to they didn't really have a quarterback last year Bryce Young will, will give a natural elevation i think Thomas Brown's remit here will be to try and get um get the ball going in the air. Adam Phelan will help with that as an experienced pass catcher, but I'd expect them early on probably to run a bit heavy. And then I expect to see more balance um, going forward. I expect maybe Bryce run uh, Bryce Young to get quite a few designed runs, especially just to get him used to the NFL as well. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Fire the cannons, Murph Tampa. I've moved on from Byron Lefwich to Dave Canales. Tell me about this because I don't know who he is. Uh, so Dave Canellas has been in the league a long time. Uh, 12 years he was with uh, uh, the Seahawks. Uh, wide receivers coach. Uh, lastly, he was a, a quarterbacks coach. Um, so he was the one who coached uh, Geno Smith last year who had a, an excellent uh, year. Um, to be honest, I pretty much would have taken anyone over Byron Leftwich. Byron Leftwich. <laughs> I think Byron Leftwich was nicking the living uh, offensive coordinator. Um there is no doubt I could have done what he did. Um, the, the big thing that you would expect here is a change. Uh, there, there'd just be more variation in the play calling. The play calling got so obvious. Um, it, it got to the point when I was watching them in, in Germany last year, where I think myself and some friends managed to call nine successive plays of what they were going to do in the rough yardage. That was kind of how bad it got. The Bucks would run the ball over 70% of the time on third down. They would pass the ball almost exclusively on third down. Um, it was so, so predictable. Um, this was a pretty poor offense last year. Um, one of the worst in the NFL from just a rushing perspective. And keep in mind, they had Leonard Fournette and Richard White last year. These are some of the averages that they uh, achieved. Yards per carry, 3.4. That ranked them last in the NFL last year. Uh, yards before contact, uh, 1.16. That ranked him 30th in the NFL. Uh, yards wow. after contact, uh, 2.22. That ranked him last in the NFL. Uh, earn point average uh, for attempts between the tackles, uh, minus two, minus 0.21. I ranked him 30th in the NFL. Um, uh, earn point average for attempts outside the tackles, um, minus 0.16. That ranked him 30th in the NFL. Um, non QB scramble success, 23 in the NFL. Uh, and points per average play for running efficiency. They were ranked 22nd at minus 0.04. Uh, you want a positive number there, so that was pretty uh, poor. And they only ranked in the top half of one um, one category, which was only down success 41%. Um, but that's because they ran the ball so many times the first down, it was almost impossible to not achieve that. Um, in fact, it's actually quite surprising that they did rank as high as they did because the uh, offensive line, uh, the defensive line, the other team must have known they were running the ball. Um <laughs> Yeah, they were pretty poor everywhere across the board on offense. Um, very, very poor in the, in the red zone. Very, very inefficient. Um, the only category they really excelled in, there were two categories last year they excelled in. One was surprisingly red zone passing uh, on points average. That's due to Tom Brady. That's not happening this year, regardless of who comes in. And they actually ran the most plays in the NFL um, for pace. So you'll see some regression there. But Dave Canellis will bring in some difference. I think people are really down on this offense because people see that Tom Brady's gone. 
Um, and as a result of Tom Brady going, there's less optimism because the quarterback's either going to be Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask. Um, I still think it, it should be Kyle Trask. I still believe people kind of laughed when I said that he had a chance of winning this job. Uh, he's going to have every chance to win this job. And I, I, you know, with the way that camp's gone, he's probably winning the race right now. Um, I still think they'll probably give it to Baker if it's not a fair competition, but if it was a completely fair judged on merit competition, I think Kyle Trask will probably win it. Um, this offense will be different. It'll be slightly more exciting. Um, you've got great weapons there. Rashad White, um, is going to be in for a big year. He's going to be much better than he was last year. Second year, better offense. Coming from a, a oh, he wasn't an offensive coordinator, but he came from an offense that's very good at running the football and knows how to run the football in Seattle. So Dave Canales would have um, absorbed a lot of that. Would have would be bringing some of that in to help Rashad White be better. Um, and then you've got Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and Russell Gage. It's a pretty good three. Um, if they can get a quarterback who can get the ball into their their hands this offense will be a lot better. Um, it's already got a pretty stout defense. I think a lot of people are very down on the Buccaneers this year. I'm. We don't know who the quarterback is. That could change things. But I think at least, I think if they went with Carl Trask, I think they're a playoff team. I really do. I think there's enough there, especially with the D. I think there's enough there. But that offense, I think, would be cooking. I just worry if it's Baker Mayfield. Does he check down too much? Does he follow instructions enough to to bring the dynamism that this, this offense needs? Whereas with Carl Trask, we've seen it. He's got the arm, he's got the talent, and he's, he doesn't play with that sort of fear. So we'll see what happens. But I, I think the, the the lesson here is don't be down on the Buccaneers. And it's hard, and people are going to go, well, you're a homer, you're going to be optimistic. Byron <laughs> Leftwich was just bad. He was just a bad offensive coordinator. Like, he was – and I know he won the Super Bowl, but he didn't really win it. Tom Brady won that Super Bowl – on offense and the defense won it. It Byron Leftwich fluked it. He absolutely fluked it. And he basically let Tom Brady call what play he wanted to call. And it was only when Tom Brady stopped getting that sort of power in the final season, Byron Leftwich says, I'm going to run the offense I'm going to run, that things didn't go well. And that's clearly what happened. So <laughs> I'm just glad. I'm glad Byron's gone. I celebrated his, his sacking. You shouldn't really, but... He was terrible. Nice guy. Just terrible, terrible offensive coordinator. I'm glad he's gone and we can move on to um, an offense that definitely isn't that exciting to watch this year. <laughs> so Arizona, as you mentioned, we've moved on from Kif Cliff Kingsbury, who didn't have an offensive coordinator, to Drew Petzing, rookie OC, former Browns and Vikings offensive assistant. Um, yeah, I don't have too much on Drew Petzing. You'll be surprised to hear. Um <laughs> I don't know too much about him. Again, rookie OC, you know that he's run plays. Um, you know he's worked with with Gannon before, which is why he's been picked for this. Um, and really, you're relying on Jonathan Gannon to be the, the orchestrator of this offense. And Petzing is kind of getting this job. I don't know if he's going to call the plays. He might do. He might not. Now, Cliff Kingsbury didn't have an offensive coordinator for three years in Arizona. So that's why we mentioned Cliff Kingsbury and not an offensive coordinator because there wasn't one. Cliff Kingsbury called all the plays um, and he refused to hire an offensive coordinator full stop. Um, very nice of him to save some wages. Um, I'm sure he got that very nicely in his payoff. Um, I think this offense is a massive arrow down. Cliff Kingsbury, for all of his faults, did run a pretty exciting offense most of the time. Um, it's a pretty talent-poor roster. You've got Kyler Murray, who's going to be out for one to six games, maybe, depending on that injury. Um, so you're going to have Colt McCoy or Clayton Toon 
throwing the ball. You've got Marquise Brown and Rondell Moore as your wide receivers, who aren't bad, but let's be honest, there's not an elite one there. I know Marquise Brown was a, a former first-round pick, but it was only taken for his speed. Um, and when you're getting balls from Colt McCoy or Clayton Toon, no disrespect to either of them, you can't imagine there's going to be that much over-the-top vertical offense going on here. And then um, and then you've got James Conner, who I love James Conner, but doesn't stay fit. Um, so I, I just worry about... And then you've got Zach Ertz, who is on All pup, probably not going to make the start of the season. So you've got Trey McBride. I like Trey McBride. I actually think he's a he's in line for some, um, some big work this year, especially early on, and especially if Colt McCoy is the quarterback. Um, yeah, I, I just... I, I think for me, I worry about their diversity at wide receiver. Um, obviously, getting rid of Hopkins, huge loss. Don't you can't replace Luke Hopkins. So there's nothing too much. And I know Paul's going to listen to this. Paul Pickin, and I know he's not going to be too happy with me. Um, I just don't think there's too much to get excited about this year. I think it's a rebuild year. I hope they give um, Jonathan Gannon, I almost a Rich Gannon, um, <laughs> former. Uh, former NFL MVP. Um, I think if they give Jonathan Gannon time, I think they'd be fine. I like the appointment. I don't don't dislike the appointment of Jonathan Gannon. There's no slate on him. I don't know much about Petsing to really judge him, but um, I think I I think Kyler Murray is a is a value in draft for his position and where he's going off boards. And I I like Rondell Moore. I think he's someone again probably is quite a good value in drafts. And Trey McBride is a certain value in drafts. But I think other than that, as the, I'm not touching them with the expectation of they're going to be absolute lightning in the bottle. I just think they have the potential to outperform their ADP because their ADP is so low because almost everyone universally is out on the Arizona offense this year, and with good reason. Yeah talent poor as you say we've already mentioned Los Angeles Rams and how they were bad last year they're moving on from Liam Cohen to Mike LeFleur who was formerly the Jets OC this has to be an uptick after the the drivel we watched last year from the Rams I mean this this offense was was putrid and a lot of that was Matt Stafford going down and Cooper Um, Cooper Cup yeah I don't even mention him but yeah absolutely um I'm just trying to find them on my chart here yeah I mean this this offense ranked um, bottom half of every category except fourth down conversion where they left the league. Um, and that's because <laughs> they couldn't do anything on the first three downs. Um, this league Desperation. was... Now, keep in mind about the offensive genius of uh, their head coach and you think about all the things we've had to listen to over the years about how ingenious um, how ingenious their offense is and, and everything they do. They were 30th in pace last year, which is just... Tells you everything you need to know. Twenty um, seventh in explosive plays, twenty uh, sixth in early first down in early down success. I mean, this offense was just it was just bad. It was bad in the red zone. Um, it was just, it was just bad everywhere. They, like I said, really only fourth down conversion because they weren't getting anywhere, and they were bang average in um, end points average in plays in field goal range. That was it. Everything else was was pretty poor. Um, running the football. Again, tells a very, very similar story. Um, yards after contact, uh, 29th in the league, 2.55. Yards before contact, 20th, 1.49. Yards per carry, four, even, flat, so 27th in the league. Non-scramble QB success rate, 36.1, 27%. Early down success rate, 38.4, 23%. Didn't run the ball well, didn't pass the ball well. Uh, expect more pace, more tempo, expect them to be more 
pass-heavy Mike LaFleur comes in, former Jets offensive coordinator, a younger brother of Matt LaFleur, uh, head coach of the Packers. So, yeah, I'd expect him to be more vertical, um, expect him to use Cooper Cup as much as possible. Um, Van Jefferson is a sneaky, sneaky value. I think he's going to get involved a bit more than people probably give him credit for. Um, uh, and I expect him to run the ball better as well. Um, I just think it's a huge hour up. I think Liam Cohen didn't have a lot to work with last year, a lot of injuries, but um, was pretty pretty poor. And Sean McVay uh, is not going to tolerate that for another year. Absolutely not. Talking to somebody who doesn't really do much tolerating, Bill... Uh... Bill Belichick at New England. They're moving on from the defensive mind in Pat Patricia, offensive coordinator, to Bill O'Brien, who is an absolute weapon or offensive coordinator. Yeah, I mean, like, it's, as as um, offensive coordinators go, you're not doing better than than Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien was a very successful um, head coach at the Houston Texans before it all kind of fell apart at the end. But I think the Texans would take him back in a heartbeat um, compared to what we've seen uh, since his departure. Um was a previous offensive coordinator at uh, New England, has worked with Belichick before. So this isn't like this is a new marriage and how are they going to get on? They know how to work together. They've worked together very well and worked together very successfully. Matt Patricia, as I mentioned, defensive-minded coach, um, this offense showed real signs of life in 2021 uh, with Mac Jones as a rookie. Um, Was putrid, awful in 2022. Uh, I expect him to be a lot better in 2023. I think... um, they're going to be, again, I think you're looking at what they can offer. Just some of the key metrics here. I'm not going to keep banging on about metrics all the time. 20th in pace, 29th in fourth down conversion, 27th in third down conversion. Um, just overall, uh, 28th in early down success rate, which is the Bill Belichick way of he's not going to want to be down there. He's going to want to be uh, much higher up. Uh, 31st in uh, early down red zone rushes and points average. They're pretty poor in the red zone. In fact, all across the board were terrible in the red zone. Uh, so they'll be a lot better. They'll be a better passing game for Mac Jones. They've got Juju Smith-Schuster now. Um, they'll use the foundation of Ramadre Stevenson. I still think they'll bring in... And uh, You could see Leonard Fournette pop up here, by the way. It's another team that, uh, if he doesn't go to Dallas, it's another team that could be very interested in him. Um, I think you're going to get a complimentary back to Stevenson, but I think Stevenson is definitely going to be that foundation runner who's going to have the opportunity to get 14, 1,500 yards potentially. Uh, across the season, but they're going to be more dynamic and they're going to be a much potent, more potent offense in, in 2023 for sure. We've already talked about the Jets and Hard Knocks and stuff, and they've added uh, Nathaniel Hackett uh, replacing Mike LaFleur. Basically, yeah, somebody Aaron Rodgers wanted and they went and got him. Yeah, I, and listen, I'm not Aaron Rodgers' biggest fan, but you bring in a offensive coordinator who you're very successful with. He won two MVPs under Nathaniel Hackett's play calling. So, uh, I think at the time, I think Aaron Rodgers, when Nathaniel Hackett went to Denver, I think he put a call in as a character reference for Nathaniel Hackett. These two are very, very <laughs> close. Um, and if you've got your old offensive coordinator on the market and he's free, I totally do understand. And your offensive coordinator that you're inheriting has moved to LA. It, you know, it's one of those hires that just makes a, a huge amount of sense. Like, it, it, honestly, I do get it. It makes complete sense. You know, as I said, Rogers won two MVPs um, back to back before last year when, funny enough, Hackett wasn't there. Um, I just expect the former Green Bay Packers playbook from 2019 to 21 uh, be installed here. So you're going to see um, you're going to see a lot of running on the ground. So good news for Brees Hall if he's fit, and maybe they bring in a second runner, which I I do expect, and I expect it to be Dalvin Cook potentially. 
Um, but I think you'll see Rogers uh, improve slightly from a play call he's familiar with. Uh, and I think it's good news for Garrett Wilson and Alan Lazard. I think they'll both do well. Don't worry about the tight end here. Not relevant. Um, wasn't relevant in Green Bay. Not going to be relevant here. Um, uh, but yeah, I think Brees Hall, if fit, is definitely a huge winner here with this uh, OC call-up. I think Aaron Rodgers. I wouldn't draft him in a one QB league, um, but he's going to be fine in a two QB league. He's going to be fine in uh, as a backup uh, for your bye weeks, for sure. Um but yeah, I think Garrett Wilson benefits and Alan Lazard does too because he's not going to need much time to get uh, up and running. Okay, let's move to Baltimore where they've gone from Greg Roman to Todd Munkin, formerly Georgia Bulldogs and Tampa Bay offensive coach. Murphy, you are very aware of this guy's resume. What does this do for Lamar and company? Oh, I, I think it's a fantastic appointment. I, I'd argue this is probably the best offensive coordinator appointment a lot. I think Todd Munkin is incredibly underrated. Um Todd Munkin, um, you're going to see a much more dynamic. Greg Roman ran a very, very stale offense from someone who run the same offense in quite a while. Um, they kind of built the offense around Lamar. And it was good to see some dynamism early on, but then it got a bit stale. Um, basically trying to use vertical receivers, the running game, and letting Lamar just do what Lamar does. And then when Lamar's not 100%, he's injured, it got a bit predictable uh, down the stretch. Um, they ran just some some key numbers here. Twenty six, they were in pace. Twenty six on fourth down uh, conversion. Um, you know they they just weren't mo- mo- ah, weren't massively explosive either. Eleven um, from third down conversions is not too bad, um, but yeah. The bottom line is they were just a kind of very average 17th and early down success rate. They were just a very average offense. What Todd Munkin's going to do, he's going to give the confidence to Lamar Jackson. He's going to get more out of the passing game. You're going to see Lamar Jackson break 3,000 passing yards, which doesn't sound like a lot, but given how much he gives you on the ground, uh, it's quite significant. I think he's going to be closer to 3,500 rushing yards. Typically hovers around about that 28, 2,900 mark. So I think you're going to see an extra five, 600 yards out of Lamar Jackson this year. You're going to see slightly more spread uh, air raid offense. That's why they've got Odell Beckham Jr. in there. You've got uh, Rashad Bateman is back and healthy. Now he's off the pup. I think you're going to see this vertical shots being taken, but you're going to see this more spread attack. Um, Lamar will throw the ball more, but you'll see Lamar still making Lamar plays that we all want to see. And you should see a more efficient run game uh, as well this year. So I'm really excited for Baltimore. I'm excited to watch them. I think they're going to uh, be a really, really fun team to watch under Todd Munkin this year. Yes, agreed. So after and you can see a lot of explosive pace. Well, fingers crossed. That would be good for Lamar and company. There's a list now, Murph, of single sentences on the show, Doc. Shall I run through them all and you can talk about them individually? Or do you want to just talk about them individually as we go? Uh, I mean, I've, I've got probably one or two lines on I don't think some of these are, and, and no disrespect to the final six teams here. Maybe the Chargers <laughs> is interesting. I'll probably talk a little bit about the Chargers, but the rest are sort of just zip through um, quite quickly. So okay. we can just, I'll just do sort of one. You, you'll talk about it. I'll bring in one or two lines um, and that'll be it. Super. So Houston have gone from Pep Hamilton to Bobby Slovic, who's a rookie OC and had assistant jobs with the 49ers. Yeah, I mean, I don't know much about Slovic at all, um, other than the fact that he's been under Shanahan. So you'd expect there to be some um, increase in uh, play calling ability there. But ultimately, they're a very talent poor organisation. Um, I expect CJ Stroud to do well, uh, ish, not draftable in one QB league, but expect him to, um, 
be a good asset as a quarterback this year. I expect Robert Woods uh, to be good, and I expect uh, Damian Pierce to be exceptional. That's kind of all I'd really want from this offense. Um, uh, and Dalton Schultz, I think you'll see Dalton Schultz get a fair bit of work here, um, uh, just from Slowick and the reputation he'll have for the 49ers of using a tight end. But that's really all i got to say. It's not an offense that is going to be particularly exciting. They're probably going to be ranked in the bottom third. And it's more down to talent than coaching. Okay, so the Colts have gone from Marcus Brady to Jim Bob Cooter. Now, that feels like a name you should say in an American twang, but I haven't <laughs> not disrespectful. I mean, Jim Bob Cooter has been around the league for a long time. Lions, uh, OC, I think he was last there. Um, very experienced, uh, exactly what you want when you are Shane Steichen and you're a rookie um, a rookie head coach. You want to bring in some... Uh, I like the fact that Shane Steichen has brought in experienced coordinators. Um, I really like that. I think that shows maturity of wanting to really do well. I think it's going to be a tough year for Indianapolis. You've got Anthony Richardson, who I think is the rawest uh, prospect of all the quarterbacks. He's going to need the year to get uh, acclimatized to the NFL. Um, Michael Pittman is going to be the one wide receiver you'll probably want to get some assets from, but he's a slight risk depending on how we see uh, Anthony Richardson (laughs) get on. And then you've got all the drama that's going on right now with um, Jonathan Taylor. I think he plays. I think he stays, but he could not. And if he doesn't, then... Uh, yeah, then Lord help Indianapolis um, and wheels up Dion Jackson and um... they got a rookie, haven't they? Evan Hull is Evan, is Evan oh, Hull? He's there? a bit further behind. Uh, no, yeah, but the two you're looking at there are um, not Marlon Mack. It's the one I always get confused with Marlon Mack. Oh, so annoying. Um, I don't know, Murph. I've. Uh... Oh, I always get I always get the names confused. Not the fellow who had the jet ski accident. Was he a Bills running back? He was the Bills running back. Uh, da, 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 da. I'll tell you now. Okay, Zach no, Moss. No, Zach Moss isn't Zach Moss out no. for the season. Is he out for the season? I think Zach Moss is out for the season. Rush Nation, if you jump into the comments and let us know, that would save us some killer audio right now. I'm pretty sure Zach Moss is out for the season. I, know he's injured, I, could be, I could be well wrong. All I know is that I've dropped no, he's, boat. he's got a broken arm. He's out four to six weeks. I mean, that sounds horrendous. So that was a week ago. So he'll be, he'll miss probably the two, he'll probably miss two weeks in the season, maybe three. But yeah, we're broken arms. So Dion Jackson, that's your guy. Right. Gotcha. Okay, moving on. Tennessee, Todd Downing to Tim Kelly. It's an I internal mean, promotion. Was Tennessee's passing game coordinator and previous OC in Houston in 19 and 21? Yeah, I mean, Todd Downing was pretty terrible. Um, Tim Kelly, you know, offensive coordinator in Houston for those two seasons are probably nothing to overly shout about too much. 19 was probably not too bad. 21 was pretty atrocious. Um yeah, I mean, listen, he can't be any worse than Todd Downing. Uh, ultimately, uh, passing game coordinator, which was the one area they weren't completely terrible in, but they've got Nuke Hopkins this year. You've got Shadon Burks. Um, the good thing about having a guy who's responsible for passing game coaching is he's more likely to invest time in the passing game. So it isn't just going to be the Derek Henry offense. So uh, expect an hour up from guys like Ryan Tannehill this year and 
I expect New Hopkins to be valuable, and I expect there'd be some sneaky value in Traylon Burks. Um, and then you've got your uh, tight end there, Chick, who could be interesting as well. So to get the passing game to get a slight arrow up from Todd Downing and his uh, awful play calling last year. Yeah, moving on to the Broncos. They have moved on from Jason... I don't even know how to say his name. Jason Witten? Jason Uten? Uh Uten. Justin Uten to Joe Justin Lombardi, Uten. former Chargers OC. Good move, I think. I mean, I don't have a lot of love for Joe Lombardi. I think he's a pretty abject play caller. But the the one thing I would say is um, it's a Sean Payton offense. Sean Payton's going to run the show. Um, Joe Lombardi's worked with Sean Payton before. They've been pretty successful together before. So um, I think if it was anyone else but Sean Payton, I'd really hate this. Uh, instead, I'm just kind of a bit meh. I think it's fine. Um, but I think Sean Payton brings a lot more life to this offense. I think you're going to see Russell Wilson bounce back. I think if Jerry Judy is still there, I think he's going to bounce back. Uh, I think Courtney Sutton's going to do quite well as well. And I think you'll see a balanced attack. You're going to see Javonta Williams um, and uh, Samari P. Ryan uh, balanced attack um, and balance it very, very well. Indeed, they certainly aren't going to be much. Um, they're certainly not going to be out last year. They're going to be a lot more efficient. Uh, and they're going to be a better offense uh, to watch. Um, you know, third down conversion last in the NFL last year. Um, and across the board, they ranked in the bottom four in most metrics for uh, offensive uh, efficiency. Um, so, yeah, I think you might see pace go down slightly. They were 12 last year, but I think you're going to see better quality um, of offense next this year. So the Chiefs, as we mentioned, have moved on from Eric Bieniemy to Matt Nagy, who was a former Bears head coach and Chiefs OC. Was he also Chiefs quarterback coordinator or something like that, Murph? Yeah, I think he had that role as well before he became the Chiefs offensive coordinator and then left that to go and be the Bears head coach. And that promoted Eric Bieniemy. And now Bieniemy's gone. Matt Nagy gets his old job back. It's amazing how the NFL kind of all goes around in a full circle. Um, yep. Again, it's an Andy Reid offense. Andy Reid takes huge control of it. He does give autonomy to his OCs to a certain degree, and you're certainly going to see um, McNaghy take stamp. Um, the fact that he's been in this offense before means he shouldn't need too much. I think you're going to see some change uh, in it. He definitely hasn't coached uh, Patrick Mahomes uh, before, so that's something. This offense last year, right? I'm just going to read out their efficiency rankings. Early down success rate first. Uh, first half early down pass rate first. Um, early down quarter, uh, quarters one through three passes um, points average first. Um, rush EPA same time frame seventh. Uh, end zone pass turn points average fifth. Uh, rush twenty fifth talked about already was the only category they marked down on. Uh, down set conversion percentage first. Explosive plays second. Third down uh, third third down conversion percentage third uh, second. Fourth down. Conversion percentage, second in the league. Pace, 10th. I mean, there's nowhere to go but down on most of those categories. Nope. So, again, uh, small arrow down, uh, but nothing to worry about. You're still taking all the Chiefs players in your drafts, uh, and rightfully so. The The big question is who is going to be the wide receiver that benefits. Kind of hard to tell. I like Sky Moore in a Matt Nagy offense, slash Andy Reid offense. Um, but I also like Rashi Rice. He's got the draft capital. Okay, the one you want to talk about, the Chargers, from Joe Lombardi to Kellen Moore. Goodness gracious me. Yeah, I've already mentioned that I'm not a big fan of um, Lombardi. Um, ran a pretty abject. The, the good thing about Lombardi is he ran pace, um, so uh, quite a quick uh, offense. He was fourth in pace. Uh, we've already seen Dallas's metric there was um, 
was that level again. They were third. So that's not going to get a drop off. So that's the one good thing is they've got a coach that's going to keep that that high tempo, uh, maybe even slightly more high tempo, which is really, really good. Um, what you're going to see here is better efficiency in the red zone. Uh, you're going to see better efficiency from Austin Eckler. I mean, he was very efficient last year, but potentially even more so in the red zone. Um, but more importantly, I think this frees up um, Justin Herbert to bounce back in 2023. And I also expect uh, Keenan Allen to do well. Keep an eye on Quinton Johnston. I just think with Mike Williams and his injury history, Quinton Johnston could um, end up leading rookies in receiving yards this year. Um, that's a sneaky hunch I have. I think Kellen Moore is going to bring some uh, positivity to this uh, this attack. And again, as proven over the years, he could be very highly efficient in the red zone. So expect the Chargers to score lots of touchdowns this year. I love that. I love that take. Right, Murph. On we, a fi- note. we finally made it. We're three over three hours in. It's time to summarize the last three podcasts in 42 seconds. Go- no, I'm joking. Um, yeah. Hit us with a summary for the last three podcasts and what we need to learn from all that's been ahead. Yeah. And we're going to move on. We'll draw a line under it. Um, First of all, got some great comments on the vertical board and horizontal board stuff. Hopefully, we'll cut that and do that as a separate uh, video that people can watch um, and yep. just go through that mock draft. People found that really useful. Um, so that's really the first main takeaway. Go back and watch that if you haven't seen it um, and go watch, especially watch it on the video, the vertical board versus horizontal board about using your tiers. Um, and I explain it in, in good detail there. It's about half an hour long, but definitely make the most of it. Um, so for me, this this kind of is a no-brainer, but look at ascending quarterbacks, not descending quarterbacks. So for me, I, I'm not really interested in players like Aaron Rodgers, uh, Matthew Stafford, Baker Mayfield, or Derek Carr um, for fantasy football. I think Russell Wilson potentially carries some risk given where he was last year. Instead, I, I, I'd rather go for the younger QBs or the QBs that are on the rise. Um, a lot of these QBs are going to get drafted on name reputation. Try and avoid that where possible. Um, target younger running backs um, and running back by committee pieces look far better than they are. You're not going to see Jamal Williams this season again for a very, very long time, if ever. Um, and don't worry about a running back by committee when there's a young stud involved. We saw this last year. Everyone was worried about Michael Carter, Brees Hall. Talent will always prevail through. Brees Hall, when he got the job, just basically ran away with it. Michael Carter was not a thing. So when you've got um, a Jamar Gibbs, when you've got a Bijan Robinson, um, they should, with their draft capital, they should just completely obliterate the um, the committee dead. So Gibbs, I'm slightly cautious. I didn't have a high grade on him, so maybe there's a bit of personal bias there. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't be too worried about the running back by committee pieces when you've got those young studs uh, in place and absolutely smashing it. So yeah, age is really important. Taking 27, 28 year old running backs, 29 year old running backs is a recipe for disaster. So don't do that too often. But if you're getting good value like you are on Alvin Kamara, then as you're running back four, then makes sense. Uh, wide receivers look safe, but can also be too safe as a position. So pay attention to teams who don't use a third wide receiver. So Seattle, uh, Las Vegas, people are going to be really excited about JSN. Uh, don't uh, their usage as a as a team doesn't support three wide receivers. So JSN, I think is in for a betting in year. Um, people are going to say, Oh, Tyler Lockett's going to get the, um, the heave ho because he's not under contract next year. Completely different wide receivers play completely different roles. 
Um, so not going to happen. Tyler Lockett's going to get plenty this year. Uh, Las Vegas as well, after Jacoby Myers. Uh, I think Hunter Renfro, if you're looking at him in drafts, just don't. Um, just skip him. Uh, he's not going to get any work. He's not going to get enough work to be relevant. Um, so, yeah, and, and the other thing to be cautious of here is once you get to wide receiver uh, 20 or so, they, the position completely plateaus. It's, you're yeah. talking about such small, narrow gains. Um, I talked about this on the Patreon cast. If you want to listen to that, subscribe to the Patreon um, from a minimum of a pound a month, and you can get access to that and access to our WhatsApp chat where it's very active and going off in there all the time. Um, I would say, um, yeah, wide receiver just plateaus completely. So just, you know, be a bit careful. Um, if we don't like an offensive, and this is what we just spent ages talking about, if we don't like an offensive system or coach, we should probably dial uh, into that a bit more and really focus in on it. So for me, uh, Byron Leftwich, um, although my blinkers kind of got in the way there, was a good example. <laughs> In 2022, uh, Joe Lombardi was another one with the Chargers. You know, these are coaches that if we don't think they're great offensive coordinators, why are we buying uh, into them? So, again, going back to what we've got this year, um, you know, no offense to Drew Petzing, but that's probably one I'd be a bit wary about. Um, I'd be slightly worried about uh, Brian Schottenheimer a little bit, um, but I mean, he is, he is proven. Uh, be worried about. Um, Joe Lombardi in Denver, but then I do think Sean Payton can overcome that one. Um, but the most, and then you know, Houston, we've talked about, so just you know, buy it, just be a bit careful, uh, there. And just if you don't like the offensive quality, you don't like the system, just walk away from it. Um, this is a really interesting one. So, there for me is less information that's good from beat writers than there ever has been before. So, for me, beat writers used to be phenomenal. Um, and I remember when we first started this show, I was like, Follow all the beat writers from all the teams on yep. Twitter and you'll get all this great insight. It's worse than ever. They're not really breaking news anymore. There used to be the time when you used to get these local beat writers. And there is exceptions. Um, Rick Stroud, who's a friend of mine at, at the Tampa Bay Times, he does break national news. Uh, but he is he's a rarity. He's been on the beat a long time. A lot of these beat writers are quite new. They're still earning their crust. I don't think it's anywhere near as good as it was five years ago. Really, you're getting all your information from uh, Rap Sheet or Adam Schefter. That's realistically where you're getting from. That points to me that teams are clearly hiding more than they ever have done before uh, and aren't talking to the beat writers as much. And it could also be that the beat writers maybe just aren't as good. Um, I don't know. Ultimately, I think if you're relying on just beat writer information, um, you've got to be a little bit careful of what's coming out there and maybe don't trust absolutely everything from the beat writers because they could be misled by the teams. Um, discounts are possible by going against consensus. Uh, people were heavily out on uh, Tyler Lockett last year and DK Metcalf because of Geno Smith. Uh, people were massively out on Josh Jacobs. I wasn't. Um, he helped me out in a lot of year, uh, a lot of leagues. This year, people are massively out on De Deontay Johnson. I'm telling you now, Deontay Johnson is due massive touchdown positive regression he's not going to score zero touchdowns again this year uh, it's not possible it's just not going to happen chris godwin people are out on on the quarterback situation we talked about i think he's in a much better offensive situation people give him credit for joe mixon is another one that people have been out on because there's worry about ban and his age and but i also think he's another one that you can potentially buy quite cheap below where he's going in drafts right now don't forget he was the rb4 last year uh, in oh. most formats so um I'm not saying he's going to necessarily repeat that, but I think you can get him at like the RB18 right now in some drafts. Um, that's too low. 
Uh, Very cheap. I like the value you get on Joe Mixon. So, um, some people have been taking him well above that, and so and I've seen in drafts I've been waiting for him to fall to RB seventeen, eighteen, and uh, he's been taken around RB twelve, thirteen, and people are buying him at, at still. I think is a value at that price. So, um, totally get it. I'm not not screwing anyone there for saying that they're taking him above his ADP. I think you should. Um, I think definitely take a, a flyer on these guys. I keep saying, and this goes back to the fundamental point consensus is wrong quite frequently and especially when people talk into a consensus they talk into a group think um they tend to put blinkers on and, and get blinded um and go into a bit of an auto draft and then people just follow the consensus and i have and this is what basically the last three three and a half hours has been about go against the consensus a little bit um push the boundaries and um find an edge uh, because if you're doing what everyone else is doing, you're probably not going to win. And if you do, it's probably based on luck more than skill. Um, and I think that's the fundamental message. If I could say one way in the last three and a half hours to sum it up, that would probably be it. Uh, I was just going to say, Murph, if you are listening to this pod and you don't really know what we're talking about, go back and listen to the last two podcasts because these are essentially a trilogy of podcasts that we've put together to help you go against that group think consensus thinking slightly in order to get value and discounts where possible so if you are listening to this for the first time uh it's only taken me an hour and 14 minutes welcome to five yard rush my name is Doctor, and that's murph as you know from the beginning of the show but do go back and listen to the last two podcasts because they are important and they all work together in a succinctful fashion so it is it is worth heading back and listening to those and like murph said if you want to watch the video that hopefully we're going to get out soon on the horizontal and vertical boards that was I really really enjoyed that, and I know a few of the staff did as well. So if we did, then surely you guys will too. Matt, anything else before we dash off for this evening's pod? No, I hope you enjoyed it. Good to have um, as much feedback as possible. As I mentioned, uh, feel free to join the Patreon. There is a live, uh, well, there's a chat um, in there. Um, you get access to me and questions. I'll review teams, um, talk about picks when you're on the clock if i see the, the chat um i just prefer whatsapp to discord so i don't do discord uh, all that much um what else is there um I'll, loads of articles i've written coming on the site um touchdown regression week next week so if you want to read about running back and wide receiver touchdown positive and negative regression there's four articles dropping on the site uh next week uh i've dropped this week um tears explainer uh, explaining how to exploit and, mo- and uh, go around tiers, ADP value, and how to make the most of that. I think drops tomorrow. Uh, one of those dropped on Wednesday. One of them dropped today. Um, and I wrote, uh, yeah. So there's there's lots of content I've put up on the on the site. Um, it's going to be dropping over the next couple of weeks. Uh, and then one last thing on uh, Wednesday next week, and I've got about four dates, and you can hit me up. Um, I'm taking over the Fantasy Pros mock draft. Um, they're having some mock draft days in their Discord channel, and I'm and I don't do Discord, so this is going to be a new experience for me. But I'll be running some um, Fantasy Pros sponsored mock uh, mock drafts, so you can draft against me in a mock, um, and we'll chat in the Discord and we'll have a laugh as we do that. Uh, I'll post the times on Twitter to just follow the Twitter at Murph underscore NFL, but they're going to be a sort of like early afternoon issue. If you're around early afternoon, um, there's four dates, four mock drafts I'll be doing. So nice. Uh, feel free to check me out on that. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Lots of listener leagues going off right now. Um, lots of drafts going on right now. But it's good yes, fun. sir. 
shout out to my FFCC crew. We're not too far away. If not done, we're not quite done. I know we're not done, but uh, Murph, which division got done first? Was it the uh, was it the hardcore five yard one that got done first? Surely it was. No, right? that was third or second. Uh, second, I think it was. Um, that was crazy because we started so hot as well and we dropped off. That was yeah. Division twenty one uh, finished first. They were the first ones. Um, they had a good group of mix all over the world. So people tell me like um, it's impossible to have people from all over the world draft. Uh, they had people from like Norway, uh, the UK, uh, East Coast, West Coast. Joe Pisapia was in there. Uh, good draft. Some good people in there. Uh, did quite yeah. well. Uh, yeah, Arsenal was second. There's only three, I think, that are done. There's about four that are very tantalizingly close. I'm going to see if Come on, Division 18. Point. Let's bring home that bacon. Division and, uh, 18 could... is... You're currently on pick 22-11. So you've got two and a bit rounds. So you're not finishing today. No, we're not. We've been we've been slow the last couple of days. But we have, we've, we've, had some, uh, we've had some chat stuff, so it's been good. That's it for today, Rush Nation. As Murph said, follow Murph on Twitter at Murph underscore NFL. Follow the podcast at Five Yard Rush. Head over to Patreon. Support the podcast for as little as one pound dollar. One, one credit... Pound. One imperial credit. A month. I think it's I think it's one pound plus tax. Okay, but it really isn't a lot. And uh, as Murph said, there is a WhatsApp. Um, and that's going to do it for this week, Rush Nation. As always, don't forget, keep rushing. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 